and oh, I've already said the welcome to the podcast bit. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and this is the podcast starting speaking commence. How is everyone doing? This is the second podcast we've recorded on a Thursday, as promised in the last <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So if you don't know, these are coming out weekly on a Thursday now. Harry has been incredibly content driven today. <laughs> I've been cooking, causing fires in the kitchen. True story. And uh, Harry's like, we need to make a podcast. We said last Thursday we would do another one on Thursday. So I'm very impressed by your commitment to the fans. They will appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, which which band promises stuff to their fans and doesn't deliver? That's, that's literally never happened. That's us. <laughs> no, <laughs> time. no, we're not going to be like all the not other anymore. bands. Not anymore. We, we're like, we're the only band that delivers on our promises. So cool. So I'm just looking at the so the last podcast we talked about. Welcome to 2021, about recording new music, about New Year's resolutions, Harumi Hasono, and more. What a what what a spread. <laughs> so I suppose in terms of updates, we've done our first in flat live stream. Schnoodle on over to our Facebook. It was good. I mean, the the live streaming thing. I'm sure we've talked about it on the podcast before, talked about it on something before. Live streaming is hard. We've been <laughs> we've been puzzling this thing out for months. It's like probably like November time we started trying to figure out probably yeah. how to live stream, and we managed to get a kind of working setup with um, electronic drums, electronic guitars, and two microphones mm. into the laptop. Into the other lap, two laptops it took. Yeah, that, that <laughs> was the laptops. key. The unlock, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I suppose we've done smaller live streams before, haven't we? So it's not, it's not that we're completely unable to live stream, but it's being able to actually play live music on yeah. a live stream. Um, you know, in this day and age, you need to be like live streaming is a key bit of content for anyone who wants mm. to like, build a platform. Um, mm. So we want to kind of focus on that and really build up our, our live stream show, the Chicken Echo Show. Mm as we dubbed it like just watching something live makes it more intense mm. and more engaging like you could tell the same joke live and it would be funnier I watched uh, John Mayer's live streams I don't know if he's doing them as regularly now as he did during main lockdown what are they called? Current Mood Current Mood yeah um, and they're a mix between lo-fi yet produced <laughs> because it's just on his phone because he does it onto IG but he's, Instagram he's for planned those out I don't know Sorry. Instagram, pop over to Instagram to check out IG. Um, and but he plans it out because he has like pre-programmed radio sounds and like features. Um. Yeah, he like rings people. Who was who was the one that I watched? He he just rang B J Novak in the middle of the night. Like, well, I think they can pop in the stream if they're watching. Uh, what, There's like a feature like, of Instagram where like, yeah, if you see someone yeah. watching, you can invite them in and they just appear. So do you reckon that was planned? Um, or that maybe, was just like, maybe not. Like, oh, BJ's in the chat. He's quite a famous person. I imagine more famous people follow him and Because yeah. I think Gary Vee was watching one of them. Really? It's like, oh, hi, Gary Vee. God. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Imagine, yeah, imagine the Gary Vee. tables. <laughs> imagine a Gary Vee and Gary John Mayer mashup. That would be um, interesting. I'm not sure how that would go. Gary Vee's into quite a few rappers. I think he's more into rap. Yeah. But I was thinking, like, how just, would they just, interact? Yeah. I don't know who would get the who would win in the fight for attention. I think they'd both come away thinking they won. <laughs> well, I don't think they would think they were fighting though. But I can't imagine how the conversation mm. would go. I think John's a bit more of a slow yeah. kind of flesh out the opinion. 
he sounds pretentious, but he's actually always dead on the money. A... Whenever you like listen really deeply to what he's trying to say and follow the complicated analogy, he's actually saying something that's true. There's a few of those. Mm. I've listened. I've got like that is what happens. He's speaking truth. It's just difficult to follow. So it wouldn't be a good mix. It would be a, a Seth Godin, Gary V kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, but they they're basically gonna punch each other by the end. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of them's gonna punch the other. Not sure who. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I was watching the PRS new guitars launch the other day, um, and John Mayer came on at the end, uh, and he, because he was bringing out a new color of the Silver Sky, which is his signature guitar, PRS, um, and just he has such a nuanced opinion on small detail things, and I kind of want my life to be like that. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe it's frustrating because like small things that aren't right frustrate you. So I suppose there's like two sides. But just to have an opinion, to have a nuanced opinion on like the shape of a guitar volume knob, and to be working towards a vision for that, but on like so many levels, you can tell they have a vision because they talk about it for like ten minutes. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what happens when you've got everything. Yeah, you start, you start to go drill down into the art of like yeah. once you've got your food and shelter sorted, you start to yeah, go and you and you. Multi-million selling albums, sort yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> Start to make it art. Yeah. Just super interesting, yeah. Because I, I did pick all the bits for the say when I made my guitar, comparing myself to Paul Reed Smith now. But, and I did pick them all out, and I think, oh, that would look cool. But I didn't... I don't have that depth of opinion of I could pick out, like, this slightly different uh, pickup or... Mm string size or whatever like I have a preference but I, I don't have like a really defined it's like a like somebody's got really good taste yeah like, yeah discern between yeah. different spices it's sort of sort of, it's sort of interesting fun but like also not as good as just eating anything in some yeah. ways and, and, and you get it through just like exposure mm. just eating loads of things in the spice example or but you're seeing probably, loads of guitar knobs you're probably unearthing more bad <clears throat> food if you get really good at taste in food yeah, but you also appreciate the good stuff more. Mm. So that's a trade-off. So, yeah, so like, do you remember, win? thing is, the, the great example of this, James, is our coffee disaster that we Ooh. had the other day. So James and I, um, big coffee fans in Tucan Towns here, um, we have a Chemex, um, which is when you really descend into the nerdy realms of coffee is when you get a Chemex. It's like a big flask and you filter the coffee down. Anyway, we went to Costa the other day to get a coffee because it was the only thing around. And we got this Costa coffee thinking, oh yeah, Costa's fine, does the job. Both had it. I mean, it was a decaf, to be fair, but it was just horrible. It didn't it, do the job. It was rubbish. And it took ages to make. Yeah. I don't know if that if that <laughs> contributed to the end taste, the yeah. bitterness of queuing. I really am not a queuing fan. Um, I, think I didn't queue. The person in front, the person in front, had ordered. This is Christmas time. So this is in December. Um, the person in front had ordered a lot of what can I? I can only assume of festive coffees with caramel and like the guy was slaving and an order of like 15 as well <laughs> so all of us in the socially distanced queue were we'd forgotten our orders by the time we got we'd forgotten why we were there <laughs> what day it was <laughs> had to come back to earth yeah so that's so that's that's what happens when you get a nuanced um, yeah opinion. you just don't like coffee yeah we probably would have had we not got more into the taste of coffee and pursued the deliciousness of coffee mm we would have probably been fine with that. Mm. I used to drink, like, instant all the time. Yeah, me too. Whereas, Can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I used to think some instant was actually nice. While we're on this topic, um, we covered you building the guitar earlier, and I've got a question about your guitar knobs. <laughs> so... A personal question. <laughs> <laughs> your guitar knobs, 
They've got the numbers one to ten around on your strap. They've got yeah. one to ten around them. Yeah. But on the actual body of the guitar, there is no marker to tell you what number you're on when you turn a knob. <laughs> so it's just, it's just like a numbers one through ten round, and then there's you don't know which number you're oh, on. But you know where now. You know where ten is. Ten's got a particular angle, and plus, like, there's an end of the knob, so it hits some resistance when you get to ten. So you know where ten is. So then, and you turn it all around, you hit resistance when you get to one. Mm. So you know that you're in the middle. You don't need to know the exact number either. I'm not. That's not the way that we think about it. Us guitar <laughs> We're not like I might put this on six. Like some people do, but it's more about the the sound. Just you can, like you can hear like where you want it or not. A high and a low side, or like a kind of just nothing. So I don't even know if any guitars have a marker, do they? Really? I'm not sure if any do. They don't. Yeah. This is this is a problem with guitars. I should put a marker in. That yeah, would be this, unique. That's revolution. And people will know what they're doing. They'll be like, oh no, I've been on seven this whole time. I wanted to be on six. So this is something I noticed. And you're right. I'm just looking at your Gibson down there, James, and it's um it's the same. There's no markers. Well, well there's guitar. an end where there's ten, and to be honest, a lot of people have it on ten all the time anyway. So it's ten um, on one. Or yeah. but, ten or zero, sorry. But there's actually um you can actually get loads of tones out of it, um, out of having the volume number different places but that's quite a that's a thing that sort of old blues guys probably get into it's, I mean I'm sure John May has a nuanced opinion on 6 versus 4 versus 3 yeah. <laughs> um, I mean he wouldn't know which one <laughs> nah but you you sort of do because there's an angle that 10's at so you can just look and know like where 10 used to be now there's 6 right, so you okay. kind of you've got a mental marker you play guitar enough, you get in tune with these sort of things. I think we need to put this one on the shelf, James. <laughs> I mean, the ones on my one, the numbers are, are like falling off, it's a bit wobbly. <laughs> You'd hate it, it's even more <laughs> even more uncoordinated. Yeah. I mean, how do you know which Tom is which? <laughs> you have little labels. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's funny. That, that's a real good, real good joke. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Anyway. What are we talking about today, James? We don't really know. We don't really have a subject in mind. So we were going through, we've done our first live stream, so go over to Facebook if you want to check that out. Um, we've, I suppose we could continue on that we've been recording uh, new songs. So I don't know how much we've done of Bites Without Breaks before. I think we just laid down the drums. Yeah. And like, the rhythm and stuff. So that one's basically there. Mm. Um, so yeah, we just laid more, more onto that. So we've basically got two new songs ready to go. Not sure how we're going to release them quite yet. Um, we're sort of debating between an album or launch at once thing and make it into an event or kind of build up over over time and um, sort of, yeah, replace the music that we've had. We've got a lot of exci- exciting stuff coming up. This, mm. You're kind of thinking, I mean, do you know what? If you're listening and you want to hear Bikes Without Breaks and Digital Nation, just email us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll send them to we'll you. We'll send them to you in their demo form. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I always send them to James yeah. who probably is the only person who listens to the podcast as well <coughs> who knows <laughs> um, but uh, I always send them to him because he asks them in the chat I go record a new song he's like send it so I always do that Sick. so there is a pipeline of Tikkun Echo demos on Facebook Messenger somewhere mm. um, he liked them he liked Bikes Without, Bikes Without Breaks the best yeah. but there was Pink Floydy vibes in the backward oh, bass yeah. part fair I get that it's kind of interesting yeah um, oh, I mean, if um, if you'll let me talk about minimalism, I have um, some thoughts on that. 
Okay. <laughs> Unless you've got any other any Permission other business granted. any other business before I wander off into uh, thoughts on minimalism. Now let's talk about minimalism. Minimalism on the Chief and Echo podcast. Here we go. Um, it's not the first time I talked about. Buckle minimalism. up. Um, but basically, um, I've been. Basically, I get caught, and people who've listened to the podcast before will know this, but I get caught between wanting to, like, indulge my passion, in, in a sense, and, like, buy more guitars and, like, customise more guitars and buy more gear and, like, really explore, like, all the different options there and eventually, like, settle on some rather than, like, deprive. It's like, if you've, if you've like, got the money or whatever, should you... Um, Go th- you kind of cycle through more gear and sounds and and stuff and just experience more when you're when you're a bit young and you can kind of settle on your favorite things later having tried them all. Um, I cycle between that mindset and between like a minimalism mindset that like all of that's actually a distraction, um, kind of hiding from actually creating stuff. Um, that's not really what I want. Um, what but it's it's actually a a good distraction from kind of I don't know the insecurity of not being able to make a song as good as it is in your head or as good as the last one um and it's much easier to feel like you're making progress by cycling through loads of different different gear that actually putting out no songs so it depends what your uh, it's interesting whatever you set your kind of goal as your the picture of uh, how much progress you made against it can be really different you could be playing loads of guitar you could own loads of guitars but if you're Real aim should be to put songs out, and you put zero songs out. You could have been on a massive like detour. So, kind of in that mindset at the moment. Um, I think we can dig into something here because um, I don't at all have the same thing with drums and getting more drums. Mm. Um, I just I just want to play drums, mm. which is interesting. Mm. Um, but I don't know when you sort of get that. What did Tone Junkie call it? Gas. Oh yeah, gear acquisition, gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah, I, I don't know how you get that, um, but I haven't got it yet. I think James has a little bit. <laughs> just a bit, yeah, just a bit. Um, Although I do share quite a lot of restraint as well. I don't, mm. I don't buy crap loads of guitars. Yeah, that's a good point. You try and build loads of guitars though. I've built two or three. Yeah. But I that kind I, of that kind of know. prolongs like that's quite a good way of prolonging the gas and sort of learning stuff and not just like buying off the shelf and yeah. it's there and it's it's done so it takes you a bit of a journey to get there mm. what I was going to say is uh, I don't acquire gear but I still make songs mm. so from that sample size of one I would suggest that you do not need to acquire gear to make songs you do you need to acquire some gear to make songs you need the basics so like if all you had was drums you wouldn't be able to make songs yeah you wouldn't be able to record songs not that that's a justification for wanting way too much gear, that's a justification for wanting the right amount of gear. So would you say that you have the right amount of gear? Mm. <laughs> Maybe this is it. Would I say I have the right amount? Probably not, but I don't know if it's too much or too little. <laughs> um, I think in some ways yes, in some ways no. I think it's, it's a classic thing of having too much of the wrong thing and not enough of the right thing. Right. Um, so... I think, I think I'm bad at getting rid of stuff that's no longer useful, um, yeah. and actually, kind of almost like feeling guilty about how much stuff I've got that I don't use. Therefore, I don't actually go and get the stuff that would 
service now. I don't cycle through enough. I don't like reset oh, and go, oh, this is what I need now. That like this is what suits me right now. And you don't want to go crazy with that because you might like every single day mm. change the thing you need. But um, some stuff you get when you had a certain set of needs and then you hold on to it and you still got it. And hence your gear collection is growing. Yeah, like a good proportion of it don't use because it was useful to you when you were first recording or something, but now you don't use it. So you, you, you mentioned two scenarios at the start. where you, One way you cycle through gear and one way you settle on gear. And just make right. music, yeah. And you're doing neither of those. Yeah. You're just acquiring gear. Not, not that badly. Yeah, you no, haven't. It's more, fair, of the, it's more of the... And there's some things that you can... It's, what makes this debate more difficult is there's some things you can acquire and they do have a massive difference. Um, like, they do, they do just add a lot of value. Um, and sometimes you wouldn't know unless you've done that research and got a bit of knowledge and actually bought it and tried it, you get what I mean? So, like, you don't want to go as far as deprivation, but you also don't want to... You want to spend, like, the minimum amount of time possible, like, researching and buying tools if putting out songs is what you actually really want to do. Um, yeah. Anyway, I've done some... Uh, yeah, this is probably the worst for me on this, is, like, plug-in software. Because, um, uh, like, we always record our own songs. Um, and, you know, it's so interesting, because, like, in the first, I'd say, like, over the whole time as a teenager and early 20s, I didn't have any money, really, to buy gear, like... The max I think I ever spent in one like massive shop to first set up was like three hundred quid maybe, um, to get the first like set up, and then um, I distinctly remember the first time I had like spare money to spend on the studio um, when I was about twenty one. I was like, oh, I've got a bit of extra money. Like, what am I gonna get for that? I mean, this is excluding I bought like keyboards and stuff on the way. That like the first keyboard I had and that kind of thing. Um, I get to twenty one. I was like, oh, I could buy a like a preamp. Um, because like they sort of say that oh the next thing to buy is like a sort of colourful preamp so I did that, um, and then like since then it's kind of exponentially accelerated how much more I've tried to improve like the studio stuff through gear and, and like software and that kind of thing. Um, I'd say I'd say some of it with good results, some of it with sort of unintended consequences. So this is what I wanted to talk about when I, I brought up minimalism, is. One thing I'm dissatisfied with at the moment that I think is being caused by gear is the mixing process and the actual end results from the mixes. Because it's a... And, and I'm sorry if this is getting really kind of niche for the podcast and I can't really follow like where this is going, but I'll try and explain it so that everyone can follow. But basically, like when you record songs, you record raw... Uh, you put up microphones and then you connect them into your computer and on separate tracks in um, the software on your computer, you record the output of each microphone so you have like one for a kick drum one for a snare drum a couple for like the rest of the drums and then like some guitar tracks and vocal tracks and then basically you have those raw sounds that you then apply like software effects to to make them kind of gel together and sound like a song basically like you add echo and you add like um equalization and compression and stuff to gel it together and make it sound like a song and that's called mixing um and so I had quite a painful mixing process for our recent um, jam experience. I mean, we did get there in the end, but it, it was really hard to get to a place where I was happy with. Um, and this is in spite of the fact, having invested a lot of more money in like the highest quality 
um, like software, basically. So you would have thought that getting to the end result would be quicker, easier, but it's not because, well, a few things happen, but one thing happens is that you you start to... Oh, neighbours are piping up. <laughs> Some fall over? <laughs> you something? It's all rumbled. I'm not talking that loud, am I? <laughs> Minimalism! Um, I'll be minimalist with my volume. But um, basically what I found from the from that is that one you start to you start to think that you couldn't possibly live with the things you used to use so you you attach the dissatisfaction you have with your old mixes which were 90% down to you just didn't know as much you had not as much practice but you start to attach it to like old equipment or software that you used to use and you go like I can't I don't want to use the stock plugins in logic now for instance uh, I don't want to use the, the things that come with my software, which are uh, kind of for beginners. I used that when I was a beginner. I got beginner sounds. They must have contributed, and I don't even want to associate with those proofs. Mm. I don't want to churn something out now that sounded like that. Therefore, like I've upgraded. I'll use my upgraded software now. So you kind of become a bit like purist and a bit snobby on like what you use. Well, me. What I, I became snobby. I'm going all second person. Um, so, but this this stuff like takes this stuff brings problems with it. So whenever you upgrade, whenever you like accumulate, we always think about the upsides of it, but we never think about the problems that it brings in that it didn't have before you bought it in. So like you bring in these plugins and they have, uh, they use loads of CPU and um, they take longer to open up each time, like the kind of cumulative workflow. The workflow on them is pretty terrible, to be honest. Like they're really slow to load. You have to like, load three or four different things just to get to like the end sound that's perfectly accurate to the hardware that you're emulating um anyway so kind of basically using this expensive software really slow me down and it kind of gets you into the mindset of worshipping the gear or the software that you use over your own skills so you start to go i've got this vocal here now i'm going to put it through um this equipment and this equipment and this equipment and just you're putting your faith in the equipment to sprinkle some magic dust on there that you've insecurely don't feel that you had in the original recording. So basically your focus just ends up all warped. Um, and what actually happens is you just layer too much stuff on trying to polish and polish and fix up whatever you deem to be really wrong with your original recording. Um, but layering software on top of software on top of software just ends up with being kind of flatter like like you've just taken out all the like dynamics of it i think effect of your original audio it's basically like putting masks and masks and masks over what you originally recorded and saying like oh i can't quite make out that this used to be a person <laughs> if you're putting masks on a face um so i was trying to solve this problem through more software going hmm like i need more clarity or i need more punch which has been lost from the original one because you weren't trying to preserve it you were trying to layer loads of stuff to get it to this, I don't know, this point that you visualise that it would sound like a pro studio or something. Um, and uh, on kind of in order to try and avoid just buying more software, because that's clearly not solved the problem, I like kind of going back to some of the things I used to um, listen to to learn mixing when I was um, younger. And they kind of, they, they talk about how you don't need all these um, plugins to get good mixes and like they themselves uh, professional mixers not they, they mix in their home studios they're not like big label professionals whatever um, but they mix they make money out of mixing stuff for people and a lot of the time they use really basic equipment and gear 
and they just kind of prove the point that you don't they, they almost do that to prove a point um, so yeah so I started like uh, I did some practice like mixing this week just using the minimum processing possible like going in with the mindset that you don't uh, you, you almost treat your initial tracks as like the sound as the the thing you're trying to protect and all you're doing is what you absolutely have to do to make it like gel together but nothing more and actually you're trying to push yourself to oh c those two moves could I combine them into one could I um, is there any way I could make this less processed and stuff um, and I kind of at this a bit the start of that of that like journey I've only done a few like practice things of it and I wouldn't say the mixes that came out of it were perfect but it's super in, like a completely like different approach to what I was doing before and I wouldn't say that what was coming out was bad at all like it's fascinating how different your approach can be yeah when you're focusing on doing as little as possible and really doing things that like move the needle but like almost inaudible like each thing or they're close to inaudible because you're doing so little but like you know you go oh, that that bass drum just needs like a little bit more just needs a bit more low and so I'm just going to nudge that bit and I'm going to nudge this down and yeah nudges rather than kind of shoves and desperate wrangling of the audio to try and get a certain sound um so yeah sorry that was a really long rant you just stared at me and didn't say anything do you have any thoughts on the rant so far that was just really interesting i mean <laughs> it's just interesting to hear you talk about the kind of opposite perspective because as you just mentioned um you're a big fan of layering up mm. acoustic plugins to emulate a tape machine for example mm. Um, which I mean, it's just interesting, and I, I I buy into things like minimalism and essentialism massively. Mm. So I really appreciate the idea of just treating the bare tracks as kind of mm. um, just trying to capture that as accurately as as possible, and sort of making those sounds um, just sound good as they are, as opposed to trying to warp them into something different um, mm. I, I always find that kind of perspective really refreshing mm. um, and like I'm sure that you can apply it to pretty much everything mm. um, kind of just simple but that's what that's <laughs> what it then made me think about is I, I follow a lot of minerals and stuff and I'm really interested in it as a concept but as I said I get caught between the like oh am I just depriving myself and like actually like who knows what could come if I just built like 10 more guitars like maybe that's something I would pursue or like maybe I'd find something better better than like than before um and the interesting point to make about the plugin thing is that it's not that acoustic plugins are bad they still sound the best like they still sound great um but and and probably if you use the same minimalist technique with that you could well get a better sound but then it gets you in what's better why do you need do you really need better? What does better mean in terms of sound of a song? What, what do you, you judge really it by? Apply, yeah, you can't apply better. Is there a metric? A song, Is there a dB that's better? Is there a because the audience isn't going to know? We should underline the audience won't know. I can never tell. Yeah, the the you know the audience can't uh, hear your screen. I think is the catchy phrase. <laughs> um, so like whatever you use, like they don't care. All they care is what comes out of the speakers. Um, this is what Andrew Shex on the famous uh, mixer he did a whole talk on this topic um, that now like whenever he gives rough mixes to people he doesn't do the thing that everyone does where you go like 
oh yeah, I've got this new song, but it's kind of, it's work in progress, and it's a bit like, I'm still working on this, I'm not sure about this, but I'll have a listen to it. You just let them listen to it. Don't say anything. Just go, here it is. And like, don't impart kind of downers on it or whatever. Um, right, anyway, that was kind of a slight side point. But yeah, like, it's sort of, even if something's better, even if what you're aiming at in your mind is better, like, oh, I could get a better jumper or a better guitar, or whatever you're aiming for. I don't know if you've got jumper means. I think you're just wearing a jumper, so I saw it. Um, but like, it's not just, oh, but I could get something better. But it's like, but do you need something better? What's it, what's your aim here? Is your aim here to get the best thing possible? Or is it actually make the best song possible? And if you go, it's make the best song possible, to use that example, the better guitar, it doesn't make as much difference as you would hope. Professionals, for instance, use nicer guitars just for an easier route to their sound, but not it's not a gatekeeper to a sound or to a response from an audience. Mm. But that's hard. Better. Like, this, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult to adopt that mindset because everyone, well, not many people do, and there is marketing messages bombarding from, like, every corner capitalizing on that feeling that you have that you're not good enough or that like you're you want you want to improve and they say i've got the thing that's going to improve it for you i and like and in some ways it might but it might not get you to where you actually want to go like minimalism minimalism hashtag minimalism um so i feel like we're very different in this james that's okay. While, while I think everything that you're saying is very, um, I think it makes complete sense. Mm. I, I can't I can't relate to your struggles as much. Mm. I don't I don't have the um, maybe maybe I don't maybe I have some sort of um, hoarding tendency that I don't even know about. Maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's because I I'm never happy with my drumming or something like that. Mm. Maybe, maybe it manifests in that way. Mm. It's definitely not in a tangible stuff way, or even mm. like a software or digital way. Mm. I don't have any kind of hoarding tendencies. I suppose I'm just really interested in that stuff. So it's a way mm. to kind of flesh out that yeah. that world that you want to dive into. Like I, I get quite into things, and that like that just happens to be a very gear focused world. Like there's other examples where I don't. There's plenty. There's loads of examples. I'd say most things that I do, I don't try and acquire. Like. I don't try and hoard TVs mm. or something. Um, there's plenty of things that I see as utilitarian. Like, we have a sofa. I'm not Googling every day to look at sofas. I think this is just a particular thing that I'm interested in and that, like, causes me to want to upgrade and, like, mm. I have a kind of drive or a passion in and sometimes I think that gets... Um, yeah. But I don't think minimalism is a mainstream thing. I don't think, like, I think... Lots of people have lots of stuff, but I'd say most people don't mind. Yeah. Or maybe they don't think they don't mind, but like, it's only for people who actually feel discontent at a result they're getting or at a, where their life's at or however you want to use minimalism. It's mm. a tool to go, okay, well, maybe the thing is too much accumulation of stuff that's not working for you and that's blocking, that's polluting sort of your time and your attention and stuff and actually it means that the right things are just going unnurtured, unfed. Mm. And so you remove all the excess and all the things that just don't really get you very far, they're just kind of there. Even some things that you like, but you just don't really need them. And then when you're left with the stuff you need, you've got all this space to fill with 
um, activities or whatever that you actually want. Or don't fill the space and just sit in an empty, empty life, <laughs> if husk. that's what you want. Um, a minimalist husk. But, but yeah, so it's, it's only really meant if you're, it's, it's not supposed to apply to everyone. And that's good if you don't, if you don't need it. It's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Minimalism, ladies and gentlemen. Um, any other thoughts on the Two Canova podcast? Otherwise, I'm going to go and get our. I think that was quite good. Food. I mean, there was it was a different tone for the uh, the uh, duo James and Harry talking. Yeah, I, kind of, echo. I feel like I kind of took over. Talking there. echo. Well, yeah, it's because you haven't done your own solo podcast in like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. You hijacked it. I did ask. Yeah. Well, Let's wind back and you said yes, you can talk about Yeah, minimalism. I did say that. I did say that. I did say that. <laughs> you know what happens? I talk yeah. a lot about minimalism. Maybe I should be more minimalist about talking. Yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> maybe I'll just edit you out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Alright, should we have some dinner? Yeah, let's do it. Tajine tonight. We're off. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. See you later. <laughs> Bye.